In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Christ is in our midst. He was, and is, and ever shall be. Once again, in this gospel, we have this question. This man says, this rich man, this ruler, this archon says to Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Now, for those who were here last week, we talked a little bit about what this man must have had in mind when he talked about inheritances and blessings and what, it, what Jews of that time, most Jews thought, what it meant to be wealthy. Remember, recall, we talked about that the, they read the law that says that if you follow God's commandments, in fact, God said this himself in the Old Testament, if you follow God's commandments, you will be blessed with riches, with a long life, with health, and with wealth. And again, if you don't follow God's commandments, you will receive the opposite. And last Sunday's gospel was the gospel of that rich fool. It was a parable where this person had a, a wealthy, had wealth, he had a bumper crop, and he decided to build these, build these uh, barns in order to store his crop because he thought in mind that because he was wealthy, he must have been blessed and he's righteous and his, everything is taken care of. He has nothing else to worry about. And Jesus said to that person last week, Behold, you fool, your soul is required tonight. Because Jesus is teaching his disciples and the people there and us here that to be an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven... Remember, we talk about every, every, every liturgy we sing, blessed, oh God, bless your inheritance. That those to inherit the kingdom of heaven has nothing to do with your wealth. And as not, as, because you're healthy, is not a, sin, a sign that you are right with God. So, so today we come to this gospel. We have the same thing. This man says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We have this rich man. And he says to Jesus, first of all, good teacher. And then Jesus stops him. And he gives this complex answer. He says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. So we must be wondering, what did this rich man think when he called Jesus good? Did he mean good as Jesus is a morally good man? Or is he good because he's worthy of honor? Or because he's well-born? Or brave? Or righteous? When the rich man said to Jesus, good teacher, was the rich man addressing Jesus as an equal? As a mere man? So Jesus stops him and says, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Now, this is, again, is a complex answer because we know Jesus Christ. We know who he is. We know that he is good. We know that he's the creator of all the universe. In Genesis, when he says, let there be light, and when he said the creation was good, and not just good, but very good, it was Jesus who was saying this. Because Jesus shares his goodness with us. If there's any good within us, it's because of God, because of God's grace. It is nothing that we have done to earn. If you're a good person, thank God 
for being a good person. But don't think that, we, that you or I can be good on ourselves. So why does Jesus object to this term, good teacher? Because Jesus perceived this ruler's thoughts. And this ruler thought himself righteous. Again, because he was a rich man, he said, I must be righteous because God has I've followed all these commandments. He said, I followed all the commandments, Jesus, you just listed. And so this man must have thought himself self-righteous. So Jesus put a stop to this. How many times do you hear people say, I'm a Christian, I'm a good person. I know as a priest, sometimes I hear, why do I need to go to confession? I'm a good, conf- I'm a good person. I, I, I do this, I do that. I don't need to confess. I don't need to repent. I don't need to strive. I don't need to change. I don't need to pray because I'm okay. So this rich man, and looking at his wealth and going to Jesus, he must have said, Jesus, I'm a wealthy man. I'm okay. I'm, a, I'm, I'm good for the kingdom, right? I have followed these rules all my life. Shall I then inherit the kingdom of heaven? Am I a good man? Am I in the clear? I am okay. And Jesus says, you followed all these things. And then he diagnoses the malady in the man's soul. Jesus says, one thing you still lack, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, there's a barrier. This love for wealth is your sin and this is keeping you from the kingdom of heaven. You are you have made your mammon your idol, your, your wealth is your focus. This, you have made this wealth an other God. It is a barrier between you and the godly life. You are not righteous, really. You are not okay because you care about, in this instance, wealth more than the kingdom of God. But we can, we can substitute wealth for philosophies, for assumptions, for lifestyles. Whatever these things we put before God will keep us out of the kingdom of heaven. So knowing the ruler's heart, much more than the ruler did himself, Jesus says, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and then you will inherit the inheritance that is the kingdom of heaven in the next life. And then he says, come and follow me. Now, how did this man respond to the truth? This man became very sad. In the Greek it says he became pedilipos. That is, in the, the, if you look at the dictionary, it says pedilipos. Is, he's engulfed with grief. He is pained in his mind. He's shocked and he's disturbed by this indictment that Jesus gives. By this statement of the reality of the man's soul. Now we may look at the man's sorrow and say that's a normal reaction. If someone said to me, you need to give it all up in order to gain this thing, I too, very likely, will be shocked and sad until I come, hopefully I'll come to my senses. So this man does not have a normal reaction, but his reaction, this sadness, reveals a pathology. This pathology, in this case, by putting mammon before God. 
Now, Jesus did this man a great favor. He revealed the person's true condition. Though it's hard to hear sometimes, and it's hard to take, this diagnosis is good for him, and it's good for us. I don't, I don't like going to the doctor, even though I have the best doctor in the world. But a couple years ago, when he said, Father Michael, you're too fat. You've got to lose weight. That pained my soul. It pained my pride. But I said, you know what? Now's the time. To hear these diagnoses is very good for our soul. And so this man also, it is good for his soul. Now, we don't know what this man did. What did this ruler ultimately do? Did he despair? Did he continue in his sadness? And did he give up searching for the kingdom of heaven? Did he say, I'm never going to ask that question again? Or did he mature at that moment? Did he mature in faith? Did eventually, did he come to his senses and lay aside all the worldly care in his life in order to receive the king of all? So Jesus, when seeing this man's reaction, he gave a double-sided metaphor. First of all, he says, though he's first said about riches, that riches, these riches symbolize anything we attach ourselves to find security in life. A man who seeks security in life and possessions will find it very difficult in having a successful spiritual life and entering the kingdom of heaven. The only success that we can have in the spiritual life is seeing God as our comfort and as our salvation. And then he says this other part of the metaphor. It is very difficult for a rich man. It is, it, uh, what do you say here? Excuse me. He says how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now there are several explanations of what this eye of the needle meant, means. There is an architectural military meet, uh, possibility meaning that forts at that time built their doors in a certain way, the gates to the kingdom, that only a man could enter after stooping in. Meaning a man on a horse with a sword or a, or a, or a flame could not enter into the, a castle very easily. Or it could be a sewing reference, or it could be a sailing reference, referring to a very thick rope that had to fit through, the, uh, through a loop in order for the rope to do its job. Whatever it is, a rich man has a hard time entering the door of the heavenly kingdom. Salvation is only through a narrow door. Now this metaphor of the eye of the needle is a metaphor of detachment. It is a metaphor of disengaging from chasing material accumulation or finding salvation through material means. It is a metaphor of detaching and engaging in a true spiritual life through communion with God by renouncing the world and engaging our life with God. If we make God our godly life our treasure, in other words, then that will make us heavenly citizens and inheritors of the kingdom of heaven. And then in conclusion, even the disciples were confused by this, by this teaching of Jesus. And they said, who then could be saved? And as we see, Jesus says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Now, this is not 
a complex answer. It is a very simple answer that Jesus is saying, God is our only Savior, our only comfort, our only security. If we follow Christ on His path, by His grace and power, by His counsel, following Him on the narrow path that He shows us, then salvation is possible. Salvation is through a door, but it's a very narrow door. But Jesus did say, what did he say? I am the door. Jesus Christ is the way. He is the pioneer. He is the perfecter of our spiritual life. And he is the way of our salvation. So let us grow and mature in our faith by renouncing the world and looking for our true Savior in Jesus Christ so that our dreams of being in the kingdom of heaven, of inheriting the great riches that God wants to give us, these spiritual riches in the kingdom of heaven, will come true.